Uh, just uh, want to echo it. If you haven't heard by now, this is Youth Sunday at Life Center. So, hooray. Uh, we're really excited. Uh, most of the worship team up here today are youth and teenagers from this house here. And we enjoy that good of worship every Wednesday downstairs too, because they are gifted and anointed. And obviously through all the videos and ushers and greeters, and you're seeing us all over the place today. Um, just please continue to pray for the youth of this house. This is a house that values the next generation like I have never seen in my whole life. And we are humbled in this house to know that we're supported as a youth ministry and we're not red taped at every corner. We don't have to go through committees to have an idea. It's, there is such a grace on this house and a favor for the young people that we're blessed. So thank you for everybody. Um, couple little housekeeping things. Today's another really big day. It's Move Up Sunday, which means all of our preschoolers are moving, our kindergartners are moving into first grade, into first wave, if you don't know. And our fifth graders are moving into sixth grade, into airborne. So that's exciting, yeah? So... I really, I wanna do this really quick and I'm not gonna make them stand up, but we have a handful of our first time sixth graders joining us for the first time today. And normally we have left, but this, this year, because this landed on the same Sunday, we're joining them. But I would like, they're all kind of sitting over here. There might be a few interspersed, but would everyone stretch their hands over to the general area? If you, see, if you know one of these incoming sixth graders near you, reach out to them as well. And God, we just bless this group, God. We thank you for what you have placed on their lives, God. We thank you that they have joined God into this new season of life. And I just declare over you, young people, you are the head and not the tail. You are not following, you are leading, you are setting an example because the spirit of God in you is greater than that is in the world and you will take down giants in the land. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Woo. I'm really excited. Every year the sixth graders come in and they are just, they're young and they're, they just have such a passion in them and watching them grow from sixth to seventh grade is like astounding. So um, one other thing, I know, yay! <laughs> but one other thing I wanna note today, my parents have traveled across the country in an RV um, and are here with us today. This one, they didn't come for this. I wish I was that popular to them. Um, well, but every summer they take a trip from Arizona and see my sister in Alabama, make their way up the coast, visit us here in Pennsylvania, head over, see their family in Minnesota, and head back. They're amazing, and it's a dream they had for a lot of years. So I wanna have them stand up and everyone honor my parents. Come on, they're over here. Yay! So, yeah. But. But yeah, if you wanna understand me anymore, go talk to them after the service, they'll explain. But no, I have, I have the best parents in the whole world. Sorry to the rest of you. Um, I got spoiled. No, they're amazing. Served the Lord for over 25 years in summer camp ministry in Arizona. And just that's what I was raised in, a camp kid my whole life. And sacrificial ministry out of their hearts to love people and see the kingdom of God established in young people's lives. My own life was transformed and set on fire for the Lord at that camp. I'm gonna start crying because, geez, what in the world? It's too early. Anyway, um, but no, like what they have done and anyone who serves young people 
in ministry is just astounding. So, whew. well, I gather myself. Um, <laughs> um, I'm titling my message today, um, God is for you. In case you were wondering, he is. Um, but before we begin, I am a youth pastor, so we're gonna do something interactive together. I need you to turn to a neighbor, and I would like you to share a, I would like you to use the word grace in a sentence with your neighbor. Each of you share a different just use the word grace in a sentence. Go now. That would be the cue. Go. Yes. You're not here for a show. No, here we go. Come on. If you see someone not participating, go get them. This is how we do this in youth. Nobody gets out of it. It's not a spectator sport. All right. There we go, is everybody gone? I know we should have some signal, put your hand on your, no, don't do that. Um, I do, I wanna talk today about grace and the grace of God, and yes, it's probably a word we know quite well and have heard all about a million times, and sometimes I believe some of the words we use the most get kinda stuck under the radar and we lose some of the depth and greatness and power that they carry. So I really wanna lean into this. I feel like God's been brewing this word in my heart for, for about almost a year now. This thing's been kind of stirring and brewing and I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a, a timely word for where we are in our culture and society right now. So would you pray with me as we begin? God, thank you. Thank you for your grace, God. Thank you that you have come and you have set your eyes on your people and you have provided everything in every way that we could need, God. We thank you for your grace in this room, God, and we ask today that there would be grace for those that don't know you, God, that are seeking and searching. We ask that there'd be grace for those that are walking through life and need a new, fresh level of hope and grace and peace upon their lives, God. We thank you for grace for the callings of each person in this room, God. That you would pour out your powerful, mighty authority in the room today, God. We invite your grace to be present with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I've been kind of just digging on this thing, we'll start for the theologians in the room and the word grace, as we know it, is used about 150 times in Scripture, a handful of times in the Old Testament, and it's called haim in the Hebrew, if you need to write that down, note takers, and it's charis in the Greek in the New Testament. And both of these words have this, this notation of favor on them. It's the favor of God. So it's grace on you, it's this, and it's this favor piece uh, of God putting his hand on something and giving it. And I know that that really sounds nice, but when God decides to put favor on something, it does something powerful, amen? Like it's not just like, oh, that's nice, but there is power when God says favor on that, favor on that, favor on that. That's not a good feeling. And I think sometimes, depending on how you said your phrase, and it's not to like make you feel like, oh, I got it wrong, but sometimes we like to use the word grace as a very haphazard word for mercy or patience. Kind of this like, 
yeah, grace for that, grace for that. Great. You know, like, we'll give them extra grace, you know, like, and this has become some of our mindset and context is the way that God treats us is this, is grace is just his patience for misbehavior. And it's, and I would say, yes, it's okay to use those words. You, like, I'm not gonna say you shouldn't say, give them grace, because we do. There's a piece of God's mercy that is exercised in that reality. And I was raised in church, and we were taught the definition, difference between grace and mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve, right? And grace is God giving us something we don't deserve, Okay, is that, do you see the difference here? So grace is actually a gift. It's actually a noun. Charis in the Greek is a noun, which means it's not a thought or an idea. It is a thing. It is a gift from God. And when God gives a gift, it's always, always powerful. And I feel like this is this thing that we get words mixed up sometimes and our words lose power if we don't have understanding of what they mean. But when we say grace, because you read it through the Bible, it's like grace and peace to you. Like, we're like, yeah, peace and grace. Like, what is that? No, grace was, a, was an impartation of power and peace was a result that came from it. Because what God does when he exercises grace is he destroys strongholds and he empowers his kingdom to be established in the earth. This is it. That's the whole thing from beginning to end. So I just wanna, um, I'm gonna go with Romans 5, 20 and 21 just to like re-enunciate this reality of the authority of grace. It says right here in NIV, the law was brought in so that the trespass may increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Verse 21, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness. It's like this reigning authority that exists to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I think this is this place. So I wanna start with that definition. Grace is a supernatural ability to do what is impossible in the flesh, but totally made possible by the impartation of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the earth. So I'm gonna kinda like, for note takers, I got three points, I'll give them to you now, we'll see how it goes, okay? Is I wanna, I'm just gonna touch on this idea of general grace or common grace for the theological world. Common grace is this existence, okay? And then, which I'll get into, then personal grace and specific grace. I'm gonna split up a little bit and go more in depth on those. So the first one though, general or common grace is just this great reality that as I say God is for you, it is crazy that God is for those who are for him and those who are against him. It's this unbelievable reality that God allows good things to happen to people who totally deny him with their lives. It's why we look at our culture and our world constantly. We're like, how is it that all the depraved people are getting all of this? And why is it going so well for this? And you know, why do what is it, what's the word? Why do, all, why do the bad guys get all the girls, right? Like, it's like, this isn't right. I do the right thing and I'm like, you know, virtuous in my life and why is the bad guy getting the girlfriend, right? Like, is that anybody else? <laughs> all alone up here, anyway. Um, no, but it is this thing, we look at the world and we just are like, and that is the general common grace of God where he said, this is my creation. And I will bless it because it's who I am and it's what's in his nature is to be a blessing. So 
My, to all atheists that are like, well, if there's a God, why are so many bad things happening in the world? If there wasn't a God, it would be all bad. It would be all bad if God was not on his throne because it is only by his grace that anything good ever comes about. That's different way of thinking, trying to explain the bad things. that Yes, bad things happen. Sin is why bad things happen, not God. And because God entered the picture, he said, no, I'm gonna bless those who don't deserve it. Welcome to grace. Because, and we, it's really easy. We get in the church, we get saved, and we like to say like, oh, well, you know, I can't believe they got that. Well, guess what? You got it when you didn't deserve it, so bless them when they get it, Right? It is okay to get what you don't deserve or we'd all be really, really lost. So God's grace is the powerful release for the earth. And this is general, the general common grace that's available. And I think the most, obviously, the most practical expression of that general grace was the cross itself, where he went and he put his son on the cross to provide freedom from sin, the conquering of death, and all of its things available to all. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, period. Not for those that got saved. He died for all to make the way available for all to come. That is the goodness and general grace of God. Second point, we're already there. How about it? Woohoo! Um, these will be longer. That was the short point. So um, I'm gonna jump to, to personal grace is my second one. And this is the grace for every day. This is the grace for the believer. This is the grace that comes by the indwelling Holy Spirit of God upon our lives. When we receive Christ and we say, you are Lord of my life, we get a deposit of the Holy Spirit. We see this happen, Jesus in the upper room with his disciples, he came, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, they got it. Then later said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, same audience, right, you will receive power. We live in a season when the Holy Spirit is, is available, but also can come upon us. This is foreign to the Old Testament when we can get this because in the Old Testament, it was this access point here and there that was very specified for a, for a job or a moment or a season or something where God would say, Samson, grace of God, spirit of God on a specific thing in this, okay? We live in the grace of God now. It's why we see this word so prevalent, this grace word so prevalent in the New Testament. And it was a different context typically in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it's this powerful release and the ability, honestly, I would say, the grace and power for holy living. This is the call of a believer, and it's not by law, it's not because of this, but it is all at the exact same time. So I'm gonna jump right to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and this is one of my favorite verses. I learned this in Awana back as a kid, um, in a scripture memory thing our church did, and I cherish it with all my heart, the scriptures that were hidden in me, that they would just like ruminate in my life for all of these years. But Ephesians 2, 8 says, for it is by grace, this is by grace, you have been saved. The, this is power, okay? I just wanna like reiterate to you this, this repetition of theme here. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. Faith is an access Point. It's where we step in and experience this grace. And it is not of yourselves. 
It is not what you accomplish. Grace, salvation, all of it is not what you accomplish. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that nobody gets to get puffed up and be like, look how great I am. Back to what I was saying before. We often tend to think like, well, now that I'm in the church, I must, you know, and we start to boast in what we are and judge those that aren't when God isn't looking at it that way. And if he decides to, that's up to him, but not our job. Does this make sense? So it's by grace that he's saved. And faith does activate grace. This is these, one of these crazy tensions of scripture is that grace is there. Okay, there's common grace. This personal grace is activated by faith. How did you get saved? By faith, you entered into something unknown that you couldn't fully understand, that you couldn't grasp, and in the exercise of faith, grace was deposited to you, okay? So faith is actually this access point, and I wanna really stir up hope in you today in this understanding that by believing that God is for you, you have access to the grace of God. Does that make sense? But it is that you, get, you don't grab the grace of God, you just say, God, no, I believe, and in faith, we access something we can't grab, we can't hang on to, we can't hold it, just, it's given, it's a gift. Not of works, so we can't get puffed up. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. It's a place, it's a thing, grace is a foundation, it's a stone that we can stand on and everything that comes at us in life says, I can do that. I'm that God is with me. God is for me. God is this. And it, whether it looks good, whether it's easy or simple, we don't always know. Wow, grace on which we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. This is a whole nother, it's like we don't boast, but yet we do. We hope, we boast in the glory of God, not in our accomplishments. We boast in who God is because it's an expression of faith to go like, yeah, it's like every little kid on the playground. Well, my dad could beat up your dad, right? That's like an expression of faith. That's like, no, I am standing in that. I'm boasting in my dad because I have a hope because I know I can't beat him up, but my dad could. Does that make sense? Like standing in this place where we're like, we have someone, an advocate who stands for us. 1 Peter 1, 2, starting in the middle of the verse, it says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. This is one of these pieces that I think is really important, is yes, we get grace, but grace is ever increasing. The same way we would say bless you to somebody. It's, yeah, are they blessed? Probably, but is it okay for them to have more? Yes, it is. So this is a constant prayer and repetition through scriptures. Grace and peace be to you in abundance more in ever increasing as we lean in in faith, grace is deposited. As we trust more, grace is deposited. A supernatural working power in us is given to us as we trust the one who is trustworthy. I love that Cameron caught that line in worship. I was like, oh good, that part's right, you know. Um, but just we trust you, Jesus, in, those, in the space where it doesn't make sense, where reason doesn't rule the day, we trust him when it's like, I don't know, that's called faith. And it accesses the power. 
So to touch on this reality between law versus grace, Romans 6.11 really hits this one, and then we're gonna move a little further. But Romans 6.11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Okay, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. This is another dichotomy of scripture. That, it, like, that sounds like a bunch of laws. It says, do not, do not, do not, do not. But do you understand that the command of scripture is be like this, and we have the only God in the only religious system ever who said, do these things and I'll do it for you. And I'll give you the power to do it. It's like having the test writer whispering in your ear during the test. We are not striving and trying to earn what we're supposed to do, all these things. If you get, if you get this law thing written into you and you're just like, well, I just have to, I just have to, I just have to. No, it is God has given you the grace to do it. He commanded it. It's like it would be a sick joke for God to be like, be holy as I am holy and then expect us to do that in our flesh? That's not, that is not God. He goes, no, they actually can't do it. It's why his son had to come to the cross. If our works could ever accomplish anything, it was sick that God put his son on the cross. That is sick. Like, oh, that's the other option. It's part of this universalism thing in our culture today. Your way leads to heaven. Your way, that's like, if there was any other way for us to get to God, his son should not have gone to the cross. Plain and simple, there is one way, one truth, one life. It is Christ, and He's the grace. So, as much as God commanded holiness for His people, He also provided the grace to accomplish it. Get this in your heads we're not trying to become holy. We have been made righteous by the blood of the Savior on the cross, the only way to be made righteous. And with that is a gift of God to walk it out. It's not a trick command. It's the balance between law, grace, and the power of God that says, yes, the law was not just obliterated at the cross. It was fulfilled. It's done. So yes, we still live with law, but not under it. We don't throw the rules out because we have grace. That's that greasy grace gospel that's like all things are fine and I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That is the weakest excuse. Sorry if I offended you. The right statement would be I was a sinner now saved by grace. I walk in a holiness. And that's real. Like sin has no part of you. It says do not allow it. For verse 14, Romans 6, 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. That's not a command for heaven. That's a command for now. And not to put pressure in religious duty. I gotta say this over, I'm a, I work with teenagers. Repetition, right? <laughs> gotta repeat it, right? You're not earning this. You're not trying hard. You're trusting God to give you the grace that he said was yours at the cross. And we walk in a way that goes like, 
man, all these verses, suddenly these scriptures begin to come open to us. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, for there is no temptation that, is, that, that will come to you except what is common to man. But God is what? Faithful. And he will not let you tempt, be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will always provide a way to escape. Grace. He will always. So here becomes the exercise of faith. When you feel like you're in a corner and you're out of options, too much temptation, I can't, I'm stuck, I had to fall to it, that's a lie from the devil because the promise of God says he will always provide a way. By grace, he'll open a door and you get to choose. That's the beauty of who God is. You choose how, whether or not to oper operate under grace or not. You can make excuses the rest of your life for bad behavior and go like, I just need more grace. No, you need to believe that there's grace for you and stop acting like that, sorry. Teenagers can handle this, sorry adults if it's not. Oh man, 2 Timothy 1.9, I'm gonna try to get back on track a little, I don't know, I'm, I'm on track, I'm on track. 2 Timothy 1.9, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before what? The beginning of time. Out of excuses. Sorry. Anyway, not sorry. Second Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness, not by our good deeds and works. By his own glories and goodness, we have all that we need to live a godly life. Romans 12.3, for by, grace, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, grace given me, you get this? This is Paul going like, I have a grace to not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So here we get another whole dynamic, right? Wait, God's distributing faith now too? Yes, faith upon faith. As you lean in, he gives you a gift of faith and a gift of grace to go with it but he's good enough, kind enough, it's the, like to give us the option to go like, no, are you in or are you not in? It's the number one question with our middle schoolers that we do, we do what's called fishbowl in lift on Sundays a lot. We have a fishbowl and the kids write questions on the papers and put them in the, put them in the fishbowl and we literally pull them out and we say, hey, what do you guys think of this? Small group, kind of a discussion thing and it really draws out some of these deep theological things. And so many of the students will ask the question, well, like, why, was there two, why were there two trees in the garden? And why was there, you know, really good, profound questions from like sixth and seventh graders saying, why, like, why didn't God just make it the Garden of Eden? Duh, right? But the very goodness of a relational God was that he put two trees in the garden because love has to be chosen relationship has to be chosen. I love to tell the teenagers, how would you like arranged marriages? They're like, no, no, my parents would never do that right. They probably would do better. But anyway, um, <laughs> but nobody, amen, right? Yeah, all the parents of young daughters are like, yes, I would do better. Um, but you still, even in that place, you have to choose to love. 
You can be forced to marry, and oftentimes the church is really good at this idea, like, you will be a Christian. You know, I raised you this way. It's like, no, you can't do that to your children. You can raise them in the ways and the admonition of the Lord, but they can be the only one to choose that they are a believer in Jesus. I'm sorry, we can't manipulate it, we can't work it, we can't force it, but that's like arranged marriage to God. And the kids are going like, hmm, nope. Doesn't mean you slough off and do nothing, but there is a place every, every child and the deepest prayer of every parent is that their children will step into faith on their own accord because they've been raised around, exposed to it. The truth is in your home. The presence of God is in your home. But that's their response, parents. God is that good, and we ought to be as good as parents to allow the choice to be made in our children. Discipline, consequences, all for it. Don't get me wrong, like, just do your life, hope you end up in heaven. No, like, there is the admonition of the Lord and the training of truth, okay? I'm just, I wanna make sure I don't get quoted for that. I'll get, you know, this is streaming. Who knows what they'll put on YouTube about me. Um, right, there it is, the heretic chasers or whatever, heretic hunters, yeah. They'll find anything. I'm not going there, guys. They're, they're encouraging me down here. Oh, man. And then this one, Ephesians 1, 18 to 20. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power. Like that's a, like some big adjectives in here. Incomparably great power for us who believe. The power that is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. This is the authority, the inheritance that we walk in as children of the king. We have an inheritance. We express that to some degree as a church, as a family, as humans. Like, we have an inheritance. The reason our youth ministry is so believed in is John was the youth pastor. Brian was the youth pastor. Janelle was the youth pastor. Dave was the youth pastor. 35 years total, we're all still here. And we believe in the next generation in this house. There's an inheritance here. That's just like a micro expression of this inheritance that we have in the Lord as kingdom people, as sons and daughters. So it does, it changes the way you live. When you inherit things, you start from a different place than where your parents did. So for us to go back and fight the same battles as the first New Testament church is kind of foolishness. It means we've forsaken our inheritance And we're trying to restart, restart rather than growing. Every generation will have its battles. Every generation will have to fight its fight. I don't wanna raise my kids to just live in la-la land, but I don't want them to refight my battles. That's, that's ridiculous. I wanna give them my victories so they start somewhere different. That's inheritance. So, Hebrews 4 for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. 
Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, not like, oh, I don't, maybe I can have some grace, Lord. Like, but no, like, this was paid for you. This is the inheritance of the saints. And we are in a time and a season in our world where the church has got to begin to find the grace that was provided for them at the cross and begin to be such an expression in the earth. It is so easy right now for the church to shine if they shine in the grace of God and not the form and function of doing religion and law. There is such a stretch in America right now between the light and the darkness and falling in the middle as a church and as a people going, well, at least I'm not that. But actually going, no, I'm gonna approach the throne of grace with confidence and begin to live a victorious life Does that mean there's no battles? No, right? Paul said, God has given me a thorn in the flesh, right? And I've asked him how many times? Three times. He's like, God, can't you take away my thing? And God says what? My grace is sufficient for you. So it doesn't mean that you suddenly go like, ooh, I'm gonna exercise faith and grace is gonna come and I won't have problems. No, he says, whatever comes to you, Whatever the struggle, it's how we can rejoice in our sufferings. We go like, my sufferings, Charles has been on this, I love it. We rejoice in our sufferings, not because we are worried about them, but because we know something they don't know. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you, sufficient. All sufficiency is also there in scripture, right? That means there's enough, it means you don't fall short, and it doesn't mean you get to quit. Okay, having grace or not having grace on something doesn't remove responsibility. It does demand that you lean in in faith and trust the Lord for what you need. I have no grace for doing taxes. Okay, I don't get to just be like, well, the grace just lifted on that, so I'm gonna skip it. Like, no, I, I put my nose down every year. It is, I don't know why, it just, it is, I don't get stressed real easy, but that does it for me every year. Like, okay. For real, it's just like, why is this happening? I just hate, like the whole process is scary. I don't have any grace, but there is a point where I'm like, God, I need the grace you said is available to me, and you said it's sufficient, so I will get through. That's a really small one, right? There's a grace for you to show up to work on time, do your job, and be the best employee at the place. Right? Come on, business owners are hearing me. There is a grace. I don't feel like getting up today. I don't care. His grace is sufficient for you. There's a grace to raise your children. Is it easy all the time? No, but his grace is sufficient. I think there's a piece of the thorn in the flesh and all of this that God keeps intact for this reason. Because if we didn't need grace, we'd fall into pride really fast. And that's dangerous. So I believe there's this place where God goes, no, you've got to continue to grow in faith, to grow in grace through all seasons of life. You never get out of it. It isn't a curse. It's actually a journey. And you get to walk into things. And his grace is sufficient for you to stay married Okay, to love your family, to do what God has put in your hands and the responsibilities of life as the church, we can. Because we have more than common general grace. We have 
personal grace by the Holy Spirit to carry us, and the promises of God are on a pretty good track record. I know I sound mean today, but anyway. But now this, I hope this gives you a real sense of hope for your day and for your week and for your life, your whole life. The last third point, I only have a few minutes, um, is specific grace. And I believe this is like, there is the grace for a holy life. There's grace for doing the responsibilities of life, the very things. There is a specific grace on every person according to the calling and purpose that God has placed on you. No believer is an exception to this. You enter the kingdom of God, there is a purpose and a calling on your life and there is a specific grace to go with it. So many people I talk to, they're like, you're a youth pastor? Yeah, and I've been like working with teenagers for like 20 years now and they're like, I don't know how you do it. And I said, I know you don't. I have a grace for it and I love it. Other people are like, that is so confusing. You, you accountant people that do taxes for fun? I don't get it. I could never. Like one time a year is like overdoes it for me. There is not specific grace, okay? But find what gives you what your specific grace is. I look at our student, our worship teams and I'm like, oh man, you should, it's, I pick up an instrument and everybody's like, oh, uh-oh, I hope he doesn't. Like, legit, I, there is no grace, and that's okay. Do you understand that? There is a grace, and God will do the wildest things in giving you grace here, grace here. And sometimes you will, you'll get a wild grace for parenting that takes you to a different level. Find those people if it's not you and go, I need, a, I need to combine with this. I need to connect to this. We're pursuing small groups in this house, right? And we're looking at like, how do we link people together? And I've been talking to Mike. I'm like, I think the craziest thing in a small group is to get a bunch of people that all do the exact same thing in the room together. They go like, you should all get along. No, they're gonna be really competitive and end up hating each other. If you're sports people, right? Let's just take it to the sports field. You can have one goalkeeper, one or two strikers on a soccer field, midfielders, defenders, you know, like, if everybody wants to be goalkeeper, the team will be awful. Okay, zero, zero every game. Does that make sense? Like, nobody scores on them, but they also can't do anything on the other end. We need to find people with grace different than us and surround ourselves with them in specific grace things. Go like, wow, I really struggle with finances. Find somebody who's blessed in it and glean from them. Okay, does that make sense? Like go get classes and go, like there are people with grace for things, okay? Home repair, I got a grace for that, okay? Call me, ask me questions. I may not have time to come do your project, but I love to do this stuff and I love to help people figure out how to get there, okay? It doesn't mean you get my grace, but you might get some, <laughs> right? And the same way, I would go to Dave and be like, how do we do, like what songs do we, like I might be able to pick up how to pick songs for, I will never be able to do what Dave does on a worship set. Does that make sense? I could get advice and things and pieces, but find the grace that's on your life because it's for you and it's for your purpose. And if you feel like you're like, man, I just have no idea, try some new things and see what lands. Take some risk in faith and say, God, you've got a call on my life and there's something out there that's gonna make me thrive because when you live in grace and operate in grace, you don't burn out. And that's the message 
of grace. That is the message of this, is that we are believers bought with a price. We are full of the Holy Spirit of God. We don't quit and we don't burn out. We can make it not out of trying harder, but maybe leaning harder into the one who provides it. We try to be so independent and we find ourselves worn out, burnt out, tired, and mad at everybody around us because we've lost the connection to grace. And he said, no, my grace is sufficient for whatever you're facing right now. His grace is sufficient and your challenges are the access to your victories. Most people's calling and their grace is on the other side of their greatest challenge and struggle. So if you're looking at something that's like, I don't know how to get through this, lean in for the grace and he might just give you a set of keys that'll release a whole group of people down the road who won't have to fight that battle that you fought. This is, what, this is why we rejoice in our sufferings. Like, ooh, God's gonna give me keys because we know the end of the book. I'm gonna get keys and I'm gonna lead people to victory. So stand up with me. Jesus, thank you. I'm gonna have our worship, our, not our worship team. If somebody wants to play, that'd be awesome, but I should have said that earlier, but oh, he's up there. Look at him, good. Awesome, I love it. Nate's incredible. Anyway, I'm gonna have our uh, ministry team jump right up here in the front. And I do, I wanna invite everybody who feels a call and a tug in their heart this morning. I feel like one of these three points right here, if you came here today, you're like, I don't even know if I have this Jesus thing. I don't even know if I have this Holy Spirit thing. I don't even know if I've given my life to him. There is a grace for victory in your life and over sin and over all the things that you feel like, man, I'm burnt out, I'm tired, I'm done with that, right? Or you're searching and you're seeking, I'm telling you, in faith, you step forward today and say, I want access to that. And I believe there's a God who will give it to me. Come, give your life to the Lord up here with this crew today. Why wait? What a holy, holy moment to tap into something that gives you a supernatural power to walk through life with a different mindset and a different dimension, and the world needs this. For personal grace, if you just are in this spot, man, I've got, I know I'm saved, I know, but I'm not walking in this grace, and you just wanna, in faith, come forward for prayer. And lean in and say, God, I need grace for the everyday to walk a holy life. If you need freedom from something today, Come in faith and receive grace for the victory that you're looking for. If you've been through the cycle a million times, today's your day. His grace is sufficient. And if you're seeking what that call on your life is, if you're seeking that grace that just will propel you into life, get up here and say, I am just feel like I'm at a crossroads. I don't know where God's leading me. And just get prayer. Our prayer people don't carry like super like they have a grace to pray for you. The Holy Spirit will release what you need today. So especially since they're young, don't come up here to get from them. Come up here to get from the Lord this morning because he's the minister that works up here. We, we stand in and pray with you and agree with you on that. But we are happy to pray with you. I wanna invite you forward, but I'm gonna bless you. We'll release you, you can come forward. Go get your kids if you gotta get them, that's good. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. Poured out, poured out for us, God. 
in abundance. God, I speak grace and peace over every person in this room, God, that you would work by your Holy Spirit to draw their hearts into faith in this moment. And God, that your church, your body, your sons and daughters would shine in the earth, God, as carrying and walking in supernatural ability, God, that's way beyond their qualifications. We thank you that this, when the Holy Spirit comes, we will receive power from on high. God, we wanna walk in that grace that there would be power on everything we do and the world would witness it. For the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, that we would live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on forward. Prayer team's up here. You are dismissed. Thank you, thank you. Have a great week. <laughs>